Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. You know, it's really easy when you're um, a coach, a superstar coach, for an example. You've got a, a great winning team and everybody on the team is a, the top star. I, I remember playing football in a little tiny town. We were like a 2A and when we moved up to 3A, we thought we were a big deal. But then I hung around in Southlake for several years and saw these 5 and 6A teams. And if you weren't college scholarship, recruitment, NFL potential. If you haven't been to the Deion Sanders or the Emmett Smith finishing school of football, the chances of you getting on the football field during a game are like zero. Zero. Now there's this ironic twist when it comes to building teams and building characters. In fact, John Maxwell wrote an entire book about it called Talent is Not Enough. The premise is really simple. The premise is that there are a whole lot of people who look at the talented without any regard for their character. And they overlook those who are based on their character, stellar, even though their talent might be a little bit limited. That's what I want to talk about in this episode of Leading Leaders. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. And in all the different roles that I've had in leadership, I realize, like everybody else does, because it was my experience as a kid, often the last one picked for the team. If you've ever been the last one picked for the team, you know how near heartbreaking that can be, how frustrating that can be, how useless you feel when you're the last one picked for the team. But I also want you to know that um, that old picture, we've seen it floating around Facebook again. I, I talk about it from time to time. I'm not even sure who came up with it initially. It might have been a, uh, early on with Brian Tracy or even earlier than that with Jim Rohn or even earlier than that. But the, the analogy is that when you take a fish to bird school, that fish is going to fail. And when you take a bird to fish school, unless it's an eagle, Chances are the bird's going to fail, and the squirrel, well, I don't think he's going to swim so well either, and the whale's probably not going to do so good at climbing trees. What I mean by all that is it's really easy as a leader to look for those that you want to put on the team because they're super excellent athletes, or they're extremely brilliant in the debate field, or they're great vocalists, or they're great performers when it comes to drama. You put them on your accounting team because they're great with numbers. Chances are they're probably not great with people. But see, the, the hard ones are the ones that, <clears throat> like an Elon Musk. If you had to deal with Elon Musk in his middle school and high school days, what team would you put him on? The debate team? The STEM team? Would you, would you send him to the math competitions? I mean, certainly you wouldn't be looking at him going, best basketball player ever, number one, number one home run hitter, greatest outfielder on the team. I mean, maybe he is all of those things, and you wouldn't know it because well, it's just weird. Dude's got a strange sense of humor. He's got an odd way of communicating with people. What he does seem to do really well is make a lot of money. 
and well, launch multiple companies in extremely different disciplines that all require in extreme brainiac kind of stuff. And I just wonder, as a leader, have you ever found yourself looking for the pretty people, the easy layup kind of teammates, the ones that you can place easily because, well, they look like, they act like, they talk like a superstar. Or they maybe even come from a family of superstars, and it's really easy with a last name like Brady to go, well, duh, or Manning. I mean, how many generations of NFL superstars <clears throat> that we know with the last name of Manning, Archie and Peyton, and yeah, the list goes on. But how often do we find ourselves with that odd man out, so to speak, that one little girl on the team or one young man on the team that you just can't figure out what their ideal role is? You've tried them in every position on the team and they just don't fit. They have a hard time getting along with the people. They're, they're odd. They don't communicate the same. They don't think the same. They don't look the same. They look like misfits, the overlooked, the easily forgotten, the quiet ones. I married a quiet one. She's a really quiet one. Until you get her in her element. But she's a thinker. Her number one on strength finders, learner. She loves to do research. She gets bored with stuff that's silly and mundane, but she loves to research. She loves to learn. There are times that we'll take trips like... We went to South Florida in December of last year. We spent the majority of the time listening to YouTube videos from all kinds of thinkers, psychologists, and she didn't get into politics much, but she's a thinker, but she's a quiet one. So as cute as she may have been in middle school and high school, she was the awkward one, the quiet one, not a super athlete, even though she ran a little track, wasn't her thing. She didn't fit in with a lot of people. She was a bit of a misfit. I couldn't live without her. I'm wondering how many people in your world, how many people that you're responsible for leading come to you as the misfits? Maybe they're not your children, they're somebody else's. Maybe they're not your employees, they're on somebody else's team. But they're the misfits. They've been kind of swept aside, the, the last one picked for the team. Their opportunities are limited, their potential maybe even yet unseen. I can tell you there are some who we would consider to be special, a little off the beaten path, a little different in the way they process thought and the way they communicate with each other, but their hearts are bigger than Texas. They love everybody. I heard John Maxwell say one time, if you wanna know how good you are as a leader, lead volunteers, because in that five levels of leadership, that one little carrot and stick that everybody has at the first level of leadership, you will follow me because I have the name badge. You will, you will follow me because you'll be in trouble if you don't. Uh, that scale from that level of leadership to the, when you walk in the room, you have some kind of presence that people follow the way that you lead because you're there, because you have a reputation that precedes you, because you have a demeanor that says, I can be trusted because your compassion and your concern for other people is already clear when you walk in the room. They're not having to wait for you to give a resume. They don't have to see your list of accomplishments. They know from the person that you are, <clears throat> and it's not hype, it's real. Your compassion for others, your ability to communicate, your willingness to hear someone out, 
They give someone a chance. <clears throat> Those are the kind of things that allow leadership to precede you. And when you walk in the room as a level five leader, that's pretty obvious. Sometimes it is the reputation. Sometimes it is the resume. Sometimes it is the list of accomplishments that you don't have to tell them because they know all about you before you get there. But always, it's the kind of person you are to the ones that everybody else overlooks. How you treat those who can do nothing for you. Those that are unseen, unheard, unspectacular. They're just everyday Joes and Janes. They're not the kind of people you'd write home about, so to speak, but they are the ones that will leave a lasting memory in your heart and in your soul. The kind of people that when you help them, they have this really bizarre thing that seems so rare, especially in America, especially today, called gratitude. See, something about the, the overlooked is that when someone notices them, when someone sees them, when someone hears them, when someone cares about them, genuinely cares about them, their heart is overjoyed, and you will know it, and so will everybody else around you. They will let you know that they feel seen and heard and cared for by you. And if that's not enough reward for you, there's not enough reward for you. When you're a leader, a great leader, your heart of compassion looks for those that everybody else has overlooked. Your heart of compassion says, I want to care for, I want to lead, I want to make place for, I want to create an opportunity for those that everybody else has forgotten. When your heart has changed that way, it's not about the money anymore. It's not about the paycheck, not about the prestige, not about the titles, not about the spot that it holds in your resume. It's about loving the unlovable sometimes. It's about seeing the unseen and hearing the unheard. It's about looking for the overlooked. Forget about all the other accolades and awards. When you're loved by those that you love, when you're cared for by those that you care about, when you're received gratefully by those that you received without reward, that's when you know your life is reaching fulfillment. Take the time as a leader to ask yourself, how many people around me have been overlooked by others, have been forgotten, have been pushed aside, have been underrated, have been given no chance, no opportunity, and left unseen? How many of them could I elevate to give them an opportunity? Maybe not as the starting quarterback or the, the number one sales presenter, but an opportunity that they've never had before. Could I take a chance on them and do something spectacular for their life? If so, do it. Take a chance. Take a risk. You may find that it's more rewarding than you could have ever imagined. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. Hi, my name is Christina Knowles, and I'm 
I just got done taking Jay Boren's Story Power Masterclass. It was amazing. I took away so much information. Um, one of the things that I really enjoyed being formally trained in media many, many years ago is the call to action. I will use that with every speaking engagement and I'm so grateful that Lauren just um, spoke truth into his teachings and he is a true professional. And I know this might sound weird, but I've been taking certifications in different classes over the years and Lauren is not boring. I can't even believe I got here at nine and then the class went by so fast that I was like, it's time to go already? And I was shocked that it was time to go already. So it's an awesome class. You're going to enjoy it, I promise. Lauren is a master teacher on storytelling, and I learned so much. Um, I'm really going to have to sit down and go back through everything, and I think I might have to have some more coffees with Lauren, but uh, it was totally worth my time.